the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With the power of Tandem HR, you are in the fast lane on Main Street with Get Down to Business with Shalom Klein, the show for business and jobs. Now, the champion of networking, the advocate of jobs, the guru of business, your host, Shalom Klein. We are all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You are on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomklein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you won't want to miss. You can always get on my website, shalomklein.com, download podcasts, find out who is going to be on next week on this show all about entrepreneurship. Uh, so I'm thrilled to be joined by an entrepreneur, a uh, an entrepreneur that happens to make some fantastic food. Yes, indeed, we are talking with a new restaurant owner here in Chicago. Uh, thrilled to be joined by the uh, brand new owner of Evita, which is an an Argentinian sorry Argentinian uh, steakhouse in the West Rogers Park area. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us and get down to business. Hi, how you doing, Shalom? What's going on? Fantastic. Well, you are uh, you are bringing authentic Argentinian food uh, into Chicago, and it's actually kosher food, which is really exciting. I had the opportunity to taste some of your fantastic menu items. Tell us the story. Why did you bring Argentinian food to Chicago, and how are things going so far? Oh, well, um, everything goes back, you know, uh, around almost 15 years ago, year 2001, and, um, you know, I'm a Sephardic Jew, and, uh, you know, as uh, all the normal Sephardic if you can call it this way, my father listens a lot to the Kabbalistic rabbis, so he used to contribute a lot to one particular rabbi who he said that instead of, you know, going to learn the yeshiva in Israel like all my friends do, I should go to America because it opens your mind and it broadens your spectrum and it teaches you life, you know. For people who um, are not born in America, like, uh, you know, America is a great land of opportunities. So he was absolutely right. So my father listened to him, and instead of going to Parad Yosef, like all my friends did, I ended up going to Tel Aviv in Chicago, and that uh, marked me for life. Um, number one, because um, the level of learning is actually very good. And uh, number two is because I got to, you know, to know Chicago. And Chicago is the city of, you know, Hesed. Um, um, you know, it's a, uh, how can I say this? People in Chicago are very different than anywhere else in the United States. You know, they, they are very caring. Uh, they, they, you know, they're really, really into helping each other. That's great. So that, yes, that touched me a lot. Well, and, let's talk uh, about the food. Um, let's talk about the yes, food. Yes, and, I'm and... going to tell you exactly about the food in a minute. So the thing is that after that, um, you know, I, I learned four years in, in, in Chicago, and um, I decided that this is the place where I want to live. So I came back home, and I started working, and uh, I opened a small bakery with my mother, 
And Baruch Hashem, after that, we we became very big. And uh, after the bakery opened a small sushi place, which is, by this day, I have three locations of over 60 employees. And we became the number one uh, bakery restaurant in Argentina. And, you know, it was the time to move to, into the United States. So I told my wife, we're going to Chicago. We moved here with my kids. And uh, we opened this restaurant in Chicago because, as, as, um, you know, as you know, the only thing that I know how to do is how to sell food. And uh, I realized, you know, in one of my recent trips to Chicago that there is a lack, you know, in a quality kosher restaurant, you know, um, based on the amount of people that we have over here. I made a quick math. And, you know, if you take, you know, the number of how many Jews are in the tri-state area in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, all that area, and then you divide by how many restaurants we are, we should, they are, we should have like 63 restaurants, and we don't have. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's clearly a market for more. Well, I always, judge, I always judge restaurants. It should be good food that, that uh, I, I keep kosher, of course, and, and it should be good food that happens to be kosher, and that's exactly, that's exactly what you've succeeded in doing. So I know you're still in the sort of soft uh, uh, launch of, of, of the restaurant, uh, and yes. you're, you're trying different menu items. There's some, uh, there's some fish items. There's uh, a lot of meat, really, really, really good meat. What is Argentinian food? How would you, how do you describe it for our listeners? Well, Argentinian food, it is basically a lot of meat, good quality meat. Usually it's grilled, and it, uh, it does not have to have, like, a crazy amount of sauces. You know, like, um, I'll give you an example. I've been invited to a lot of American barbecues over here, and everything, anything on the grill with barbecue sauce on top. Well, it's not Argentinian. Argentina is all about the beef. It's all about the marbling. It's all about the quality. It's all about the animal. You know, of Argentinian beef, it's, a, it's not growing fed. It's a free range, so it's more, a little bit more gaming. And um, we just season the meat with, you know, with a little bit of salt and pepper, a little bit of olive oil, and off to the grill. And then we add a little bit of sauce, you know, for flavor, just to, you know, to cater to American parents. But, you know, um, roughly all the meats that we sell, uh, we try to focus um, only on the, on the flavor of the meat. That's fascinating. And um, let's talk about the location of the restaurant. So um, you are on Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it's a great, uh, it's a great, uh, great location. Um, I actually, when I pulled up, I was able to find parking uh, pretty easily on the street. Um, but the venue, I know you've put a lot of work into the decor and the vibe and the feel and, 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 and the, the level of service in the restaurant as well. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about that because, uh, Chicagoans, uh, in the kosher market, we don't have as many options, but Chicagoans have a lot of options for food. Why, why Evita? Why, why, uh, why is this restaurant better than other restaurants? Okay, they, they, when I wanted to open something in the Americas, as I told you, um, my question was, what should I open? Should I open a day restaurant? Should I open a meat restaurant? And then I realized that, you know, most of the, you know, most of Chicagoans are like meat people. People really enjoy meat over here. It's like a, it's, it's a, you know, it's a Midwest. So, um, I actually, you know, from the, from the business point of view, I thought that there's not a huge market for another day restaurant. Well, there is a good, a big good market for another, maybe meat or maybe fish restaurant because people are more willing to try that than something else. 
So I needed to, you know, I want to open a, a, a meat restaurant. And then I had a very good friend who was helping me a lot with this. His name is Jake Weiss. And uh, he actually had the idea about the decor. And he said that, you know, it should resemble like a ranch or something like that. So he helped me a lot with this. And he went and uh, he bought some uh, reclaimed uh, ranch wood. And we made all this wonderful decor that, that, that you've seen. So... It's a great venue, and there are there's indeed great service. Um, so right now there are, there's a, a limited menu that's available. I know you're working on your liquor license, um, and very yeah. shortly, not only will people be able to have great uh, great meat, um, but uh, combined with some great wine as well. When yes, when exactly. do you anticipate a full launch of of uh, the Evita? Um, the great news are Shlomo that Shem for. Um, for lunch, I'm planning on bringing um, two of my former employees from Buenos Aires. And, uh, you know, they are like a specialty chef on Argentinian food. So I, I was told that here in Chicago it's very important. It, it's very important, the you know, the lunch is very important because a lot of people have, like, lunch meetings. So I don't want to disappoint. So I'm bringing these two guys to meet us here by the end of November, and uh, we're going to have, like, a special uh, menu for lunch. And it's gonna be truly Argentine and truly authentic. So, but you know, that's a that's a surprise. That's a lead that you have. I haven't told anyone else yet. Uh, that's exciting. A special scoop here and get down to business. So, uh, Michael, we are quickly running out of time. Once again, we're chatting with Michael, no the owner of the Evita uh, Argentinian. A steakhouse in West Rogers Park in Chicago. Uh, great, great restaurants. I've uh, a great restaurant. I've I've taste tested myself. I can't wait to come back over the coming weeks. Uh, but Michael, how can people uh, find the restaurant? What's the address? How can people make a reservation and, and contact you? Sure. Yep. Um, you can make a reservation through our website, which is evitasteakhouse dot com. Um, or you can uh, just give us a call at uh, 773-463-8482 or just uh, show up over here. It's uh, 6112 North Lincoln Avenue, Chicago, Illinois. We're always open. We'll, we, I mean, we welcome you. And, uh, you know, Swamo, you got to tell people that uh, we are the only kosher restaurant that we truly open late. We are currently closing about 12 o'clock every single night. So it's a blast. You know, there is a finally a place in Chicago when you can have dinner at like <laughs> 10.30 in the morning and no one will kick you out. So. Well, so you know, enjoy the meat at all hours. That's certainly what you're uh, what you're teaching people to uh, to do. Michael, we appreciate your time uh, here on the show. Get down to business. We'll follow your progress, and uh, you know, uh, radio isn't the best opportunity to show off food, but we'll find ways to uh, to share the sensations of great food. But as yeah, always, sure. I encourage you to check out the actual restaurant. Um, by visiting the website and by actually stopping by the restaurant on Lincoln Avenue in Rogers Park. Coming up after the break, we've got more tips, advice, and information for all you small business owners. You could always get on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you could download podcasts from Get Down to Business. Find out who's going to be at next week on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We are powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check them out, tandemhr.com, or call 630-928-0510, 630 Welcome back to Get Down to Business. I'm your host, Shalom Klein. I'm thrilled to be joined uh, on a very important issue by Elizabeth Fisher, the president and CEO of the Sale of Freedom uh, organization, a former Chicagoan, actually, although uh, smarter than most of us, and actually have, have moved to uh, to a warmer climate. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us on Get Down to Business. 
Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So you are on a mission to help rescue women that have been victims of sex trafficking. Um, I know you're doing a, a lot of very important work. Tell us a little bit about the organization and why this is an issue that you're so passionate about. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm, I am from Chicago, born and raised, but the last seven years I moved to sunny Florida. <laughs> and literally, uh, yes, I moved there to chill out and relax, but this happened along the way. Um, when we got here, some of my friends from Chicago wanted to do a women's event, and we simply just wanted to find sort of an underdog charity to lift up. And when I got to Florida, I, we, I asked, you know, what are some charity areas that we could bring up that really need to have more exposure? And I was told, you know, local children are being sold for sex. And that was back in 2010. And, you know, you don't think of local children when you think of human trafficking. You think of Cambodia or somewhere. Um, and so at the same time, we realized that that's the same thing happening in Chicago. And Chicago is actually the number five city in the country for our own children being sold and bought for sex by our own people. So that is the definition of human trafficking, actually, in a nutshell, if you boil it down. And the root underneath it is what really got me really strongly committed as well. Uh, well, you're doing incredible work at raising awareness. And, of course, we'll make sure that our listeners can find information about the organization uh, on, on, online. But uh, the, the issue itself, it's actually staggering um, when you think yeah. about it, you mentioned Chicago is fifth in the nation for sex trafficking. Um, we have a lot of uh, distinctions. This is one that we are not, uh, we should not be proud of. But let's talk I about know. the issue itself. Uh, is this an issue that that it's typically uh, teenagers? Is it is it is it uh, adults? Who are, who are the are are the women that are that are most impacted uh, by yeah. by this horrible horrible horrible? issue of sex trafficking. Yeah, well, you know, it is it is such a prevalent and epidemic issue, and it's hidden, like, right in plain sight. And so the storyline of almost every girl, every woman starts with childhood sexual abuse. So today the stats are that one out of three little girls is sexually abused. Um, sometime before their 18th birthday, there'll be some sort of sexual abuse or sexual exploitation. But those little girls that have it severely, you know, usually it starts two, three, four years old, and it's by someone that's supposed to be protecting them, and they're very, very intimate. So it's like a domestic, a domestic relationship. Yeah. yeah, a typically domestic relationship or mom's boyfriend or, you know, a family friend or a teacher or even a, you know, pastor, just someone that's supposed to be protective. It's always someone they know always someone they know, and they're told to keep a secret. And when that happens to a little girl at a young age, everything gets flipped around, you know, it just she doesn't know how to hold things. And so keeping a secret like that, by the time they're 12 to 14, so what we know is that statistically, by 12 to 14, someone that's endured that type of regular abuse has to get away. Something sort of breaks in them, there's some sort of break. And for those that choose to run away, what we know is that within 48 hours, 80% of runaways leaving an environment like that be approached by a predator knowing that they're leaving an environment like that and they just have to say a few keywords to lure these kids into the sex trade wow um and how long <laughs> are most of these young women and really it is young women you're mentioning uh a yeah, very little very boys young age. and little girls unfortunately because wow. we got the stat of one out of five little boys being abused one out of five wow so how long are most of them uh, kept in the in sort of the world of sex trafficking. Yeah, 
in the life, the girls call it in the life, um, they are typically coerced, and the guy will sort of give them sort of a grooming period where they're like, oh, my gosh, he's going to take care of me. Because all he has to say is, are you hungry? I bet you need a place to stay. I bet your parents didn't know how to take care of you. I'll take care of you. And then what happens is he might even get them started on a drug to get them a little bit more dependent on him. And the stats tell us, and this is what I see again and again, we've worked with over 1,100 survivors this year alone. Um, they are sold 15 to 40 times a day for typically up to seven years. Wow. Um, and how are, how are communities, how are, how are cities, how is the local government responding to it? And then, of course, I want to talk to you about, about yeah. the work that you are doing in raising funds and raising, of course, awareness about this effort. Uh, but tell us, we're, we're fifth in the nation here in Chicago. What right. is being done to, to combat this and, and to fight against it? Well, you know what? I think that over the last few years, awareness has grown. Chicago has some of the greatest organizations, and you guys have everything going from awareness to education. There's prevention programs. There's outreach on the streets to try to reach these girls and kids, and there is law enforcement and um, CASE, for example. CASE in the city is a team of attorneys that have changed tons of laws over the last few years, and they protect these girls in court and make sure they don't get arrested for the wrong things. But the one missing piece of the puzzle is you guys have not had any housing for an 18-plus survivor. So a girl that's been sold starting at age 12, and typically they're very hard to find in the life for that good, you know, typically seven years. So it's the 18 through 26-year-olds that law enforcement's like, these are the girls that are circling our jails. You could bring solutions to our cities for this. And that's the one we're just bringing in that niche piece. That is a huge part of the solution. And um, I think local agencies are doing an amazing job on the other pieces. So as soon as we are, you know, our house is being opened in the next month, people are doing extreme home makeover on it right now. And we're going to start with our first and then our second home will follow very shortly. So, with every problem, you need to look at things two ways. You need to look at being yeah. reactive, at and at, at ensuring that you're that you're responding to the situation, helping the people that are most affected by the by right. the issue. In this case, sex trafficking. Um, but also think about being proactive. Uh, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about the proactive um, uh, solutions that you believe are are critical to be put in place in in cities like Chicago, but really around yeah. the country to ensure that we. That, that the numbers go down because as it is right now, as you said, you think about it, about sex trafficking as, as something that might take place in Cambodia, not here in the United States. Correct, I know. And, you know, the biggest piece of it is education, education. And I have a TED Talk in Oak Park coming up um, Thursday, October 27th, that I'm going to be speaking about a lot into the prevention side of it um, because it is having these points of intervention and prevention that if you could reach, if, if we have an epidemic of our kids being abused, we know that we are ripe to get in there and intervene prior to them hitting the streets and getting to the hands of these predators. So there's some organizations in town that are in the schools, some are in the Chicago public schools, and we do a really amazing prevention program in Florida that you guys have, you know, going on a smaller level here, um, but hopefully that's going to keep growing and everything's going to keep growing because once a child hears and they're able to get that point of intervention, you could you could stop 
them from going down the road. And then even educating the public to look again, you know, what's going on with little kids in your life? There's no such thing as a promiscuous seventh grader. There's clearly something going on with that kid, like to learn what the warning signs are to have these conversations and interventions. So I just think it's one of those topics that was never talked about. Well, and now it's starting to be talked about. Absolutely. Well, Elizabeth, I know this is the question you've been waiting for. How can our listeners get involved? How can they support <laughs> your efforts and, and be involved in, in, in not just, again, being reactive, but actually being proactive yeah. and, and helping join the fight? Yeah, there are so many ways, and I'm so glad that you're asking. Um, we have some volunteer training coming up. So depending on where people are located, we're going to keep rotating it around the city. But Saturday, October 29th, if people want to get involved, they can come to a training on that day. There's one in the city. There's one in the northwest suburbs. We'll be doing more trainings ongoing. But if they go to our website, which I love that you said our name correctly, it's Sela, S-E-L-A-H, um, freedom.com. But if they go to that website, maybe you can give that to your listeners later, um, they can click on the tabs at the top. It says, um, regions, and you click on Midwest, and it gives you all of the opportunities to come and actually meet with us. And we still have a matching gift, so up to fifty thousand dollars. So any gift that people make, and we need to close this gap of the fifty thousand by the year end. So any gift will be doubled. And right now, there's a house being transformed. So people want to, you know, they're like, hey, I might not want to work with the girls, but I could come and I want to, you know, transform a room or buy flooring for a room. Like there's like physical, tangible needs. So depending on someone to be a volunteer, they could host a party with a purpose because that would help more people become aware. They could come to all these different levels. But and double the impact. And- That's fantastic. Salafreedom.com. Oh, yeah. Lots of great opportunities to get involved, to volunteer, uh, to learn more about Elizabeth's uh, TED Talk. Um, lots of great opportunities to be educated, but to get involved and to really help on this important issue. Salafreedom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on this very important issue. We'll be sure to follow up with you, check back in with you, and uh, and you. stay in touch. Thank you for the very important work that, uh, that you're doing. Coming up after the break, we are going to be talking more about uh, important issues in the Chicago community. Uh, you're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Don't touch that dial, Chicago. More for you coming up after this quick break. About ways that you can grow as a professional, talk to you about ways that you can become a better leader. Uh, we do that a lot uh, here on Get Down to Business, and we bring on guests that share their tips, their advice, their information. But I believe it's mission critical to learn from your mistakes. And mistakes, I know I make a lot of them every single day. Who doesn't these days? I found an interesting article on entrepreneur.com, and it's uh, entitled 10 Signs That You Suck as a Leader. And I wanted to uh, to bring up a few of those tips um, because we could all learn from our mistakes and we could all talk about ways that we can become better. But sometimes it's important to be uh, introspective and look at ourselves. And if you can point to any of these character traits within you, it's a sign that you might suck as a leader and there, uh, and point to uh, Exhibit A, which are past episodes of Get Down to Business, to learn how you can improve as a leader. If you ask one of your key employees how you're doing as a leader, chances are you're not going to get a 100% honest answer. The employee probably isn't going to tell you your faults when you have the power to destroy his or her employment. You may be asking why you should even ask such a question of your employees. After all, you're the boss, but it's simple, really, really simple. Research shows that more than 70% of the workforce is disengaged. 
Much of the cause of that disengagement often, often stems from the active dislike the employee has for his or her leader, often described as, I hate to say, the manager from hell. But none of those employees are going to risk their jobs to tell you that. And because of their reluctance, you may, you may need to take a long, hard look at your behavior and be brave enough to recognize the signs that you aren't doing as good of a job as a leader as you would like. And so I've got 10 signs for you. Your attitude is, this is how we do things around here, and you could like it or leave. Great leaders need to constantly innovate. You need to be in a constant state of growth and adaptability. They would never approach employees with this attitude. And you're busy being nice. Great leaders know that what truly matters. Leaders know their purpose, their why. Running a business is not a popularity contest that leaders need to win. If you spend all of your time trying to be nice to people, you aren't leading. If you micromanage, you might not be a good leader. Great leaders are collaborative, not micromanagers. Leaders don't feel that they have to do everything themselves. They trust their team members to do it and know they will do it right. You're all about the numbers. If you believe you're all about the numbers, then again, maybe you suck as a leader. Great leaders are first and foremost chief relationship officers. Yes, another acronym, CROs. Leaders cannot always focus on the bottom line. Remember that the number one character trait of great leaders is that they highly value the people that they lead. I just read Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks book, and it's fascinating to talk about how much of an emphasis he has made on his people. And you secretly or not so secretly dislike people. Great leaders are genuinely into their work relationships. They like people and they love seeing them grow. You have no business being a leader if you don't like people. It's that simple. If you steal the light, that's a problem. Great leaders give the spotlight to others. Bad leaders take credit for what's not theirs and justify their behavior based on some rational lies that they tell themselves. But it's not, despite anything you have ever been told, all about you. If you lack empathy and compassion, that's a problem. Great leaders have a highly devoted level of emotional intelligence. Don't try to lead if you can't grasp this concept. And if you lack self-knowledge, great leaders are continually developing deeper self-knowledge because they understand that self-knowledge lies at the root of genuine empathy and compassion. In order to lead effectively, you have to know what you, who you are below the surface. Your people don't trust you. Great leaders are highly integral. They often say one thing and do another. If this is you, you'll lose ground ever, every, ever so quickly with your staff. And if you keep your personal life a secret, this is a, this is a big one for me. And I do firmly believe that you need to keep a uh, a, a line between your business and perf- and personal life. But yet, when you're a business owner, when you're a leader, you need to be as true and as genuine and sincere as possible. Great leaders are bonded to their people, and their people are bonded to them. Great leaders know and care about who their people are. Great leaders let their people see who they authentically are beyond their role as leader. Let people in, proving that you've learned the power of vulnerability. If you if you hear this and you and you find yourself thinking, yeah, but you don't understand, what you're actually saying is that you are committed to sucking at your role, that you're in as a leader. And if that's the case, no one can help you until you decide it's too painful to stay the same. So I just want to stick on that last piece for a second. Again, you have to build relationships with people. And they call it a relationship for a reason. It takes time at building a relationship, and you need to work hard and making sure that that happens, that that becomes a reality. But if you have staff, if you're so fortunate to have a team of people that reports to you, you want to get to know them, learn about their challenges, find ways to support them, 
but you also want to find ways that you can share with them. And that means that if you're having a bad day, you can tell them that you're having a bad day. You could talk to them about that. You could tell them when you're having good things happen in your life. Share those moments with them. It's really, really mission critical that you do that, that you build that relationship with your team. You find ways to bond. You find after-hours opportunities. You do a holiday party with them. There's a reason that big companies do this, and it doesn't need to be tacky, and it doesn't need to be forced. It could actually become organic and natural, that people actually want to talk to each other, want to build a relationship, and that's the number one role as a leader, is to build and motivate and inspire and build confidence, and that's what it's all about. That's what we try to do here on Get Down to Business, share with you the information that matters. Once again, you're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Lots more tips, advice, and information available on my website, shalomkline.com. And also check me out on Twitter, at shalomkline. I've got a lot of great tips available for you there. Coming up for you, we've got more tips, advice, and information for you after this quick break. Hey, back on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We are powered by our good friends at Tim and HR, your solutions center. Solutions on a lot of things, the Affordable Care Act, uh, new regulations coming out that are impacting and affecting small businesses all over the country. Um, and you don't want to be on the reactive side of things. Um, you want to be proactive, and that's why you need to talk to folks at Tandem HR um, because they can help you with that process. Um, there's something interesting that I find uh, about uh, business owners is we are often busy and we are often have a short attention span. And these days, everybody's been diagnosed, I believe, with ADD, ADHD. Not everybody actually has um, those attention deficit disorders, but everybody's busy and everybody's being pulled in a million directions. So I want to talk to you about the one resource that every business needs to succeed, but is wasted by most. Waste in business is any activity that uses up a resource but creates no value or competitive advantage. Most businesses are experts at spending resources without understanding how they can be leveraged or even how they're produced. And managing your resources it's always a concern, but there's one resource you must understand how to leverage and renew because without this one renewable resource, you're putting your career or your business at greater risk. If you've committed your life to a business to create wealth and security for your family and of people working for you, then you owe it to them and yourself to get optimal performance and maximum results of your resources. And that, my friends, I'm talking about attention. Attention is actually your scarcest resource because the brain's information processing and neurochemical production supporting attention requires large amounts of resources and energy. So read, listen, or comprehend. Pick two. Numbers vary, but the brain processes about 400 billion bits of data per second, but the conscious mind processes data no more than 60 bits per second. Productivity costs. Executives are interrupted an average of 50 times a day, putting them constantly in react mode and possibly focused on things that are not related to business results. And employees actually lose many hours a day uh, due to interruptions. Three to five hours there, 40 to 60% of productive time. And that costs the U.S. business community $588 billion a year. It also costs in morale. Interruptions force people to restart tasks by assembling or reassembling, rather, their resources, thoughts, and readiness. On average, it takes 20 minutes to regain full focus on complex tasks. Distractions cause the brain to use more resources to rebuild pathways, causing more frustrations. Interruptions also lead to more errors, quality problems, and, re and, and you have to rework. And executives often are paid to think. Every day, the senior leadership of businesses makes countless 
numbers of decisions affecting the employees, the company's reputation, their own personal future. If they make good decisions, the business will succeed. If they make too many bad decisions, the business will fail. That's why you need to be sharp and you need to be prepared to make good decisions and to invest in yourself uh, to make sure that you're not being stretched in too many different ways. Um, attention is our most scarce resource, um, and and you need to make sure that you are giving it the proper priority. And there are ways that you could do it. Uh, time management is a very important uh, methodology that I often think about. Uh, I am a workaholic, as many of you know, uh, and I believe in responding to messages at all hours of the day. But that means that there are times during the day when I'm sitting and I'm working on something, I might just block out the time and actually turn off my phone and not respond to any messages. Often what I find is that I do some of my best work early, early, early in the morning before people start calling me um, and bothering me with the reactive stuff during the day. So what I end up doing is during the day I schedule meetings and I book myself back to back, and that's my reactive time. Early in the morning, that's when I find time to be proactive. There are plenty of techniques and strategies available to help manage attention and reduce interruptions, things like prioritizing. Your brain makes up 2% of your body's mass and accounts for 20% of its energy requirement. Just like driving a car with a small battery at some point, the car won't drive as fast because the power is too low. You don't have the resources left to focus on the work at hand. So in order to have attention, the executive team in your head has to be motivated and interested. Uh, you have to focus on you, and you have to prioritize and figure out what's important to you. If you can prioritize and you can, and you can manage your time effectively, you could actually be the best professional you can be. And I mean this not just for executives, but I mean for people at all levels in their professional life. You need to figure out if you want to succeed in business, you have to make sure you're giving it your all at all hours of the day, um, and to all people, your clients, your friends, your family. And if you're committed to something, if you're, uh, if you're going to be in a meeting, put yourself in the present, give it your all. And you'll find that people will like that as the best response. Um, once again, you're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I want to make sure that you can be the best professional that you can be. We share many tips and uh, bits of information like this available on our website, shalomkline.com. That's also where you can download podcasts from Get Down to Business and get a sneak peek of who's going to be on next week on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We are powered by Tandem HR. They provide some great tips, advice, and information. Uh, check out their website, tandemhr.com. They have a great blog that's available. Also, you could call them and speak to a professional uh, for a free consultation, 630-928-0510, 630-928-0510. But I implore of you, as you go back into your work week this week, make sure you're giving it your all. Make sure you're giving it all of your efforts, all of your energies, and put yourself in the present. Make sure that when you schedule meetings, you're focused on that meeting. Chances are the person that scheduled a meeting, regardless of whether they're your boss or they're your employee, they have something important to talk to you about, and you want to make sure that you're giving it your all and that you're helping to make good decisions. So prioritize, manage your time, and make sure that this week is as good as the last. And in fact, it's going to be even better. Lots more tips and advice available on my website, shalomkline.com. Actually, on my website, I've got a lot of great networking events available for you as well. I always recommend for every professional, find two events that you can go to every week. Two events, that's right. Uh, two events. Uh, those events are posted on my website, shalomkline.com. 
Check it out. We'll have more for you after this quick break. Welcome back. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business. I am your host, Shalom Klein. Now it's time for your business tip of the week, which can be heard daily on the morning show at 7.30 a.m. right here on AM 560, The Answer. Something that I don't hear spoken about enough are uh, is this important tip about building relationships with your competitors so you can refer business that's too small, too big, or too far away. It is all about relationships, and you could build your business by networking, but being creative. Uh, I've found so often that I may have uh, been sitting in a networking meeting, uh, similar to what I did actually just earlier today. I uh, I was running around and, and meeting somebody early in the day, and uh, I as we talked about synergies and we talked about potential introductions, they are actually a lawyer, and I said, let me introduce you to a another lawyer, uh, actually a firm in Arlington Heights. This was a lawyer from Chicago. And I said, let me make an introduction. They said, wait, are you sure? And I was incredulous because I could not believe that they were so small-minded to think that anybody that has the Esquire or has a JD after their name, they're competitors. What if they're in a different, what if they have, they have a different focus, a different uh, a different business model? Maybe one of them deals with personal injury as it happens to be one of them deals with estates and probate uh it's they're both very different lines of work i don't believe there's any competition over there one of them is in arlington heights one of them's in chicago imagine the number of referrals that they can have for each other and i am a big believer in the philosophy of giver's gain every time you refer business to somebody else you never know the number of referrals that uh that might be coming back your way that's how this happens Doors open and you build relationships. That's what this is all about, relationships. And in the world of small business, those relationships go a long way. And trust me, I've found over the past six, seven years, doors that that I uh, have opened a few years ago, an introduction that I made, they're now coming back full circle. And those professionals that I had breakfast with, that I had coffee with, that I made an introduction for years ago, that frankly, I never thought anything would come of, are now coming back full circle. As many of you know, uh, we have a family business, an accounting firm, and I find all the time that we are actually networking. My father's networking all the time with other CPAs, other uh, other accountants that are bigger than we are or maybe smaller than we are, and we're able to refer them opportunities. And trust me, those referrals and those opportunities are coming straight back at you, um, and that really works projects too big, too small. And I mentioned earlier about geographically, sometimes I'll get a call actually from a professional uh, in another state. So just a few days ago in California, I, uh, I received a call from somebody that wanted to engage me for a project. And I actually didn't want to take on that project, but I was able to refer them to somebody else. You never know how these relationships will come full circle. So never say no uh, to an introduction, even if that person seems to be a competitor. And don't feel bad about offering to make introductions to somebody that you meet with that might uh, that might uh, not think that they need to meet a competitor, but they will actually benefit uh, tremendously from those introductions and from those contacts. Think out of the box when it comes to networking. That's how you can grow 
your business in a major, major way. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We are powered by Tandem HR, your solution center. If you go on their website, tandemhr.com, they have a great amount of information uh, about the Affordable Care Act, about overtime rules. There's a lot of new regulations that are being unveiled uh, as we speak. And uh, you don't want to end up on the side of things where you'll be getting fined and punished for not complying with those regulations. Uh, they have a great amount of information on their website, tandemhr.com. They have a blog, a lot of great information. You could also call them, 630-928-0510, or once again, visit their website, visit their blog at tandemhr.com. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You can get on my website, shalomkline.com, where you can download podcasts from past episodes of Get Down to Business, as well as find out who's going to be on next week on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.